Welcome everyone to the Home of Georgia podcast. Yeah, again, I think uh, I think we've like this is our third, third and mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna put. I think now they'll, they'll start going up, so you'll be listening to the first. Exactly. One. Yeah. So as we record this one, you, dear listener, are listening to the first one. But now that you, that this is weird. This is like time travel yeah. now because now so, I'm talking to somebody who's obviously listening to the third one. Yeah. Hello from the past. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good day today, though, yeah. Um, my day was good. I had my, my Friday class. I was talking about it before. My Friday class is a... You've, you've covered my Friday class before. It's, yeah, it's a toughie. It's a, it's a tricky class. Mm-hmm. Um, today, though, they were actually really good. Um, oh. Because I was really good. Um, <laughs> not to tip my own horn, but yeah. I think uh, the, the key to that class, like, like there's, as anyone who teaches... And as listening knows, um, you got different kids that come to karate. Some are little angels. Mm-hmm. Some are very shy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, need a lot of encouragement. Um, some are just, you know, just born athletes. Some aren't athletes, and some are there just to test your resolve. Yeah. And <laughs> some are there keep to keep you grounded. You. You know? <laughs> um, and this class just happens to have about seven kids who are all that kid. Um, <laughs> they all go to the same school. They all know each other really well, which means that they like to mess about a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's not that the, the, the class is necessarily chaotic or anything like that. Like they do train well, but you have to be on your toes the whole class. You have to be 100 miles an hour. As soon as you take your foot off the pedal, that's when, you know, they'll start to to lose focus, they'll yeah. start to mess, as yeah. kids love to do. So you have to make sure that you are constantly going uh, 100 miles an hour, Simon Bly-esque yeah. karate, <laughs> you know, just 100 miles an hour, 100% of the time. Uh, and so you, to keep them engaged, lot, you, you, know? do, you expend a lot of energy that way, just trying to yeah. keep them engaged. It's, yeah. it's tiring, and then that's that's when, you know, you're... you're you're earning it, you know. Yeah. You're, you're earning your 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 stripes as an instructor when you're when you're doing those kind of classes, you know. Yeah. And my Friday class is very much that kind of class. Mm. Just, yeah. Go and on, as a result, then. every Friday just a nice, <laughs> well deserved beer there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to end the Friday. <laughs> for those of you who can't tell, we do tend to sink a few cold ones while we're recording this <laughs> podcast. Of course, it's January, so I'm on the non-alcoholic stuff. And, I, and it's um, delicious. And I'm on some weird Canadian thing that Rupert It was the cheap. Other day. Yeah, you're welcome. And <laughs> you know what? Canadians like to drink. So, but um, so we're talking to karate people, and I'd say a large number of the people that we're talking to through this podcast teach a bit. They probably dabble at least. Yeah, they're going to cover a class here and there at the very least, and maybe some of them are full time instructors. Well, I know that um, like some us? of our dear HDKI friends certainly will listen to this and mm-hmm. do teach a mm-hmm. lot a lot of the, the instructors and stuff they're all very supportive and they'll be listening to this and they teach a lot and probably have more teaching experience than us but mm-hmm. they do not have access to the master the master <laughs> the master of teaching Sheehan <laughs> Sokoto Langley <laughs> we or respect his, Scott very or, much folks or yeah. his magic formula yeah now the formula is really um, is something that I want to talk about on this podcast because I think you people out there who teach will be interested to hear about our formula. Scott invented it pretty much, didn't he? I think with the help of one or two others um, who are who have had a lot of experience teaching, mm-hmm. um, but Scott himself was trained was learning to be a geography teacher. I think he is but, a qualified high school teacher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he knows a thing or two about pedagogy. Pe- that word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, this is a little, like, you know, behind the scenes bit, but when you become, uh, if you ever find yourself lucky enough to become a uh, Humber Dojo instructor mm-hmm. here in Dublin, you get gifted uh, the employee handbook, um, you know, and it's the, the teaching handbook, the Bible, as mm-hmm. I call it, and mm-hmm. uh, it gives you all the secrets to organising and structuring a class for kids from White Belt right the way through to First Q. So let's... um. Let's talk about the formula. The, how, do, how would you describe it? I actually wouldn't really know where to begin. The formula, I think the, the thing the formula does is it gives you ideas and it gives you a play-by-play playbook of how to keep kids engaged mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's simple. It's easy to do, but you like you have to know it well. You have to be able to do it well, what, confidently. And allow things to flow. If you haven't got what you're going to do in your head mm-hmm. when you go in the dojo, you can find yourself stuck. And as soon as the flow stops or breaks, you can lose it. You mm-hmm. can lose the, the kid's attention. You mm-hmm. can they, They're not engaged anymore. And the chaos ensues. You have to be a few <laughs> steps ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always be, be a move ahead or have something that you can pull out the bag if you want that. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking, you know what, I need a minute just to... You know, figure out what what to do. You should have something that you can give a task, a game, or mm-hmm. something that you can give them to do that doesn't require you know a lot of sort of you know oversee, and you can let them just mm-hmm. get on with it, and then mm-hmm. get them back mm-hmm. whenever you're ready to go. Um, but it's, I mean, the key thing I think is uh, make it competitive. Yes, yeah, that's a big part of it. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, I think um, in our like in our classes. Um, when we're certainly when we're teaching beginner kids, um, the funnest thing that they have is splitting into teams. You you fit, like you make them do, you know, their basic crap. You know, chokazuki, aguki, sotoki, ganamburai, maigiri, and then you pick, you know, the two, three, four best, depending on how big the class is, and you they're team captains, and they mm-hmm. get to pick the teams, and they you get let them name their teams, come up with cool karate names. Mm-hmm. Okay, what was it? The name like I, had, I said the other day, you had to have something to do with karate and food and one of them came up with a uh, I think it was Tika Tika Shodan instead of Teki Shodan it was Tika Shodan oh uh, that's very it was, very, very, it was very good like you got lots of funny <laughs> like inventive names and stuff yeah. they love coming up with the names you give points for and you give points for literally everything yes whatever <laughs> kind of behaviours you want to encourage you let them know that those are the kind of behaviours that win them points so you give points for whoever comes up with the the, the funniest and cleverest name or something uh, and then you give points for okay the first team to line up in a perfect yes. straight line gets X amount of points boom and that's next my thing favorite you know, one they're up straight yeah. away into perfect straight lines you tell them I to can't s- stand teaching kids if they're not in the straight line <laughs> I love straight lines <laughs> I, uh, every every dojo must have straight lines like, yeah. that's, uh, that's one of the rules yeah? yeah it has to be straight lines um, but it, like tell them to sit down tell them to stand up you know tell them to partner up whatever it is you want to get them to do reward them points for doing it quickly mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. um, and then you'll never be you'll never waste time you know saying oh little Johnny come on st- come on, stand in line come on mm-hmm. uh, you know stand beside this person oh you come forward a little bit you move back a little bit yeah. you know, make sure it's nice and straight waste so much time <laughs> it, can, it can literally like if, throughout the entire hour you can kill a good 10-15 minutes just yeah. trying to get them lined up if you're, yeah. if you're not on top of that and if they're if they're of a certain age you know and, and a, a certain attention span you can literally be standing in front of a child saying now take one step forward. <laughs> Nothing happens. Okay, I just want you to take just to take a little step forward. 
nothing. <laughs> That's it. So you have to reward them for everything. Yeah, but um, as soon as points are involved, they'll be up there like a shot. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the other key things that, that I remember Scott said to tell me when, we were, when I was first over here was uh, make sure at the end of the day, you must always have a winner and a loser. Because if you don't have a winner and loser, then the points become meaningless and the kids pick up on that quickly yeah. if they're not being rewarded yeah. at the end of the day. So some kids might be but a little... Hang on now, Russ, some kids pick up on it quickly, but I had a student <laughs> for like four months and at the end of every class, it was clear, the captain of the winning team chooses the game at the end of class. Yeah. And this kid in the middle puts up his hand and says, what are the points for anyway? <laughs> It just hadn't been paying attention. No. Just doesn't listen to any of the words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and that's what we call a lost cause. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, th- I think yeah, just um, making sure that you give points for everything, and then you especially can... for doing good karate. Right? Yeah, and yeah. and we do certain things like you know we'll get them up to do this whatever techniques you're you're working on, whether it be you know oh he's stepping forward, oh he's okay, you know you can get a ki- the difference between Kiagi and Kakomi if you want to drill that into mm-hmm. them, and you get the teams to compete against each other, who's mm-hmm. going to do it the best? One team does it, the other team does it, and you give them points mm-hmm. throughout the mm-hmm. class on whatever you're doing, and that just gives gives a nice structure it means that they get points for sitting down quietly while the other team's up doing it if Mm -hmm. they don't uh, sit down quietly you take points off the team Mm -hmm. and it works really well I think if you've got one kid in particular who likes to mess about who doesn't pay attention because if you start penalising them and saying you know okay Greg you broke the rules you've not been paying attention you were talking while I was talking your team loses two points Mm -hmm. the team will then be on top of that kid's behaviour and you don't have to worry about it anymore the kids police themselves you've created like a micro society exactly wow dance puppets (laughs) (laughs) it sounds a a little bit uh, dastardly that's not the word I was looking for Mm. but uh, yeah And then once they start moving up the grades, the the points and stuff become less important. You know when they get to like high grades and stuff. And by the time they get to high grades, they know the score. They fo- they they know what you expect. When you ask them to line up, they line up quickly. Yeah. When you, you ask them to to perform something, they perform like they used to do when they started. Four points, and all of a sudden you've got really hard working high high Q grades um, in yeah. your dojo. And I uh, I think like I I can certainly see the benefits of, of that sort of competitive system that we've got um yeah and you know there's a bit of a culture in these modern days of you know the sort of receiving a medal for participating mm-hmm. don't really get that in our dojo no you tra- you're rewarded for trying hard yeah. and not rewarded for anything else and but and the key thing is that you know the and the points that was great about the point system is that you're giving points to both teams throughout the whole class it's not like one team always has to win every yeah. task. Like, if, like you know, it, like sometimes, you know, you say, okay, if the team lines up, if this team lines up in a straight line in five seconds, you're going to get points. So the kids feel rewarded throughout class, regardless of whether they're talented or not. They're getting yeah. rewards. For, for being in the class, they are getting points, they're getting rewards, but you're also rewarding the talent and you can have that both... The sort of best of both worlds, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think there's ever not when I'm teaching anyway. There's never a scenario where well, there's rarely a scenario where a team will get no points while another team gets points. Yeah, they'll never. get some, and the other team will get more. Yeah. 
And right. if it's becoming a washout, you know, you're the, the instructor, you can orchestrate it in a way where, yeah, yeah. you know, it makes it a bit more even, I'll, I'll a bit just, more competitive. I'll, even I'll just field. lower the bar for one team and say, <laughs> if they do hickey day properly, I'll give them points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can, you, you can, because uh, what happens is that, you know, the kids are, like, when their kids are picking their teams, they don't necessarily, like, when they start to, the ones that cop on a little bit and start to see that they'll pick, they won't pick their friends. They'll pick who's the best behaved in yeah. class. Who's the, who's the, who tries the hardest. Who yeah. has the best technique. They'll start to pick the the kids who are getting rewarded for points for mm-hmm. the technique and stuff. Mm-hmm. But initially, they all pick their friends, and when they're all with their friends, maybe they do mess. Maybe mm. they they don't like you know you have to dock points initially and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to yeah, like you say, lower the bar a little bit to make yeah. sure that you know everyone's still having fun and having a good time. <laughs> and it's not just you guys are terrible, no points. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean that and that's the way that we essentially with beginners we we want to make sure that they're in a team environment. Um it's very competitive. They get rewarded for doing the smallest, tiniest thing correctly. Mm-hmm. Um so that it becomes a, a good habit for them, you know. Mm-hmm. And any anything that they don't do correctly, anything that they they don't do well, they don't get points for it. And you make sure that you tell them why they're not getting the maximum amount of points that they could get. Mm-hmm. You know, say like out of five points or something, you're only going to give them two points, and you say because. And I mean, I would never, unless it was like you know, uh, unless I was comfortable with knowing that the kid could take criticism, mm-hmm. I maybe wouldn't single out the kid because. Because John, your he could tell was hanging down by your knee. You need to have it up at your hip, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, if if I'm comfortable with the kid, and know that he he'll go oh sensei and, and fix it. Yeah. Or you know maybe just make, leave it ambiguous. People in this team were have he could tell down yeah, here instead of up yeah, here. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. Uh, so that that's something that you can play by ear, depending on the your relationship with well, the students. What I normally do is I try and give them each a critique really quickly. Yeah. And say you straight line stances, you lazy hikite, you you're leaning a lot for your team. 10 points yeah. now go sit down next to and that, and, yeah. Uh, yeah you can do it that way as well absolutely yeah. um, and, and the last thing that's, that's probably the most important thing because it's the one thing that never changes in any class no matter how much you want to play and add your own ideas in and stuff the one thing that always stays the same is at the end you play a game yes hugely important you have to reward the kids for their efforts with just fun yeah, just fun. Not like you make it karate based. Doesn't have to be karate based. You try and make it so that they're being athletic while they're playing. But mm-hmm, we just mm-hmm. play games at the end for the last five minutes or so. Just mm-hmm. dedicate the last five minutes of class to games, and that's the last thing they're going to remember when they go off to mum and dad or their minders or whoever. How's karate? Oh, it was great. We played helicopter at the end. Mm-hmm. Do you want to come back? Yes, yes, I do want to mm-hmm. come back because helicopter was great. And that's the <laughs> la- that's the only thing to remember. And they forget all the crap you taught them, of course, but <laughs> but they always come back for for more games at the end. So I think yeah. always rewarding them with that fun game and being a you know that sort of you know that cla- that karate clown yeah, that we sometimes yeah, yeah. have to be at the end. That, that that's what you do, you know, and you make sure yeah. that all the kids are taking part and having fun. Yeah. Yeah, you can be you can be super strict, and you can maybe be a bit of a hard ass for a while, and then as long as you end with games, they leave happy. Yeah, absolutely. Because mm. that's what they want in the end, really. They're there for the games. Yeah, they you never know? get tired of helicopter. Ever? Oh my god, I hate what that the game. heck? You will hate the games. Like I, I hate helicopter. Helicopter is a game where we get the kids stand in a circle, we take our belts off, and we swing the belts around their legs, and they have to jump over it, and. They just every single every kid I've it's, ever yeah it's I've the most met, popular game I've never met yeah. a kid who doesn't I, I, sometimes I refuse really oh sometimes <laughs> I'm like you know those days where I have like 
like <laughs> you know i don't know five classes in a row or something and by the end of last class i'm like no no more because <laughs> you get dizzy man you have a choice <laughs> of playing what especially when some of the kids get really good at it and you're there for 10 minutes so they're just jumping <laughs> yeah. and jumping and like you know what, Ugg, let me give you a tip if you want to finish the game a helicopter quick instead of speeding up Randomly slow down, and they'll time that they'll time their jump. I left up to their chest. I swing off in their heads. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I try and jump over this. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. They slow it down. Speed up. Some of them are wise to like. Some of the little athletes are just. They just total reaction. You know. Uh, no matter how much you change the rhythm, but yeah, play games. Play games with your classes. You know that that's uh, something that I think guarantees that they no matter how hard you've been on maybe some kids for messing about and stuff even the messers they have fun at the end and they they come back and that's what you want you want them to come back you want them to stick at it you want them to to reap the benefits that we've benefited from in karate yeah you know Uh, speaking of which why why did you start karate I can't remember well I thought it was extremely cool yeah and I was a big fan of Dragon Ball Z who isn't yeah so uh, obviously Karate Kid as well the that was that was already an old movie by the time I was starting uh, karate, but I was eight years old and my dad started teaching me. My dad had a black belt from Anoida, the big Ooh. man. Oos, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, just me and my older brother uh, and my dad, the three of us, like down in the parish hall, just keyhon back and forth for years. Yeah. <laughs> You know, obviously we did more than Keyhon. It's just my memories are of drilling, like just like ten steps down the hall, ten steps back the hall, again and again yeah. and again. It was pure old-fashioned style, num- mind-numbing repetition. Yeah, did he play games at the end? No, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do freestyle sparring with my dad when I was ten years old. Obviously, he didn't, you know, you know, try to hurt me or anything. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was scary. Depends on how tidy your room was, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. So yeah, I just thought it was cool. I wanted to be cool as well, and I thought my dad was really cool. So yeah, he started teaching me karate. What about you? Why did you start karate? Um, I was uh, karate wasn't really a, a choice. I wasn't one of those kids that chose and asked to do karate. I don't think. I think uh, I remember um, my my dad. I remember. I actually remember one Christmas having a big set of goalposts in the living room. He'd built them up in the living room and had the full football kit, the football goalie gloves just in case I wanted to be a goalie, <laughs> you know, and he, yeah, dad's a diehard football fan, he loves his football and I think he wanted me to be the next, you know, Zidane at the time. Yeah. And uh, it just wasn't happening. Oh, <laughs> well, no, you were no good at I, it. I, I, I was terrible, I was the most uncoordinated child. Really? Uh, I know, right? Hard I to know. believe. <laughs> <laughs> the most uncoordinated, unfit. Like, that's my wheezy, fat little ginger kid. Like, yeah, I was just your your, your typical like like American high school movie dweeby Bully ginger. Like, yeah, exactly. And um, I think my dad wanted me to get in football. I, was, I think I have memories of just all the memories of him screaming at the TV. I think put me off football. <laughs> when I, you know, like, hey, I was like, oh, this makes dad angry. I don't like this. You know. <laughs> um, and I think uh, we tried. I think we tried a bunch of stuff, but I think um, one of my dad's work friends was his son was in karate, um, and he was a year older than me. And he said, "What do karate?" Took me along, and I loved it. Like I, I went, I went in. The, the teacher was really. I thought the teacher was really funny. I enjoyed doing it, and uh, my dad thought, "Right, you said you enjoy it. That's it. We're if 
you know, he, he got me the the doggie and stuff, and I think that was it. He was just like he made sure that I was there mm-hmm. uh, once a week starting off and mm-hmm. I kept training kept training I trained hard and he used to what the key for me was my dad used to always watch the class oh yeah um, so you know I never slacked off because dad was watching and my, if I slacked off dad would be the first to right. tell me you were messing about today you weren't doing that, that, that. and I you know was good want to be a good boy <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I, I tried really hard um, at every class you know and my dad made sure I tried really hard and eventually I started to get better coordination, better fitness. My asthma started to go away. Um, I started competing and stuff and just stuck at it. And I've stuck at it till this day. Um, but I had problems at school with bullies and confidence. I was painfully shy as a child. Um, I had yeah problems with bullies from school and stuff like that. So karate was, I think, one that my dad, that was the one where stuff he let me try and drop. But karate was the one he was like, no, you have to keep going I think yeah. I think that was that was he never I don't think he ever had that conversation with me when I was young I don't remember it but I think he he was like he's he's not going to give this up because this is something that could be beneficial just mm-hmm. for building confidence you know to start off with I think that was the biggest thing that my parents wanted to get out of me like really? for me to get out of karate sorry was just building confidence and you now you're Mr. Confidence no, I'm too confident I'm, a, I'm an egomaniac I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm a I'm a ball bag <laughs> third down in confidence yeah. yeah I see so yeah. what other reasons are there I guess for starting karate like let's think of some of our students why do we think they're there well I'm curious like before we get into that like you yeah. had a sort of hiatus from karate for a wee while yeah yeah, yeah and then you came back what was it two uh, three years ago four years ago Four years ago. Four yeah. years ago, yeah. So around about where I moved over here. Yeah. Not long after that, you joined yeah. the dojo again. What made you take karate back up? What made you stop? First of all, then what made you? Uh, take it back what up? made me stop was that my um, father relocated, and I didn't have a sensei anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. I see. There you go. Yeah. So and I was. You know, I come from Roscommon, where yeah. there is not any karate club <laughs> um, and for a while my mother brought me to a club but it was like oh, it was so far away and uh, it was so much driving and fair play to her for trying but but for some reason you know I think it was just because it was too far that's th- that didn't last so yeah stopped training when I was about 15 then about four years ago I started again why did I come back I, th- I think it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to go training again yeah, it was always there. It was just getting round to it, finding a dojo. So I did, and then when I came into this dojo, what made what like reignited? No, I wouldn't even say reignited my passion for karate because I didn't even know what passion for karate could be until I came to this place. Yeah, and this dojo and the people here, you, Scott, Palma really really inspired me and i was blown away by just how high quality karate could be yeah 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 that's why i'm here it's pretty cool eh? no i work here <laughs> that's it man it's cool <laughs> no, i mean it is it's this 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 play like you hear it's funny like we hear a lot of like a lot of uh, adult beginners in this dojo um especially female adult beginners mm-hmm. um we can talk about why why there's an influx of female uh Females taking up karate because we have a lot. We have a lot, but um, especially the, the the women in the dojo, the men as well to to a certain point. But I think uh, the the women definitely uh, 
train way more regularly than the men do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking to you, Brian, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they they definitely con- uh, consistently train more, and as a result, there's been a massive sort of like community, like community being built in the dojo where mm-hmm. everyone looks out for everyone. We all hang out, out inside and outside the dojo. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no like, there's no you know, animosity amongst anyone. Everyone's very, very nice. We have like big Christmas parties and stuff mm-hmm. that are really well attended from mm-hmm. the kids, but also by a lot of senior senior members, which is really cool. And I think that, what was my point? Yeah, uh, I think that people come to this dojo and they are blown away by that. Friendliness. Friendliness mm. and the fact that everyone comes and trains hard with the same goal and stuff and off the dojo have that sort of nice like that community feeling you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I definitely felt it when I came over here like I mean I I knew Scott Sensei obviously I knew Palma Sensei but and I was going I knew the the level of karate that was going to be but what I didn't expect was how it was to be in a full-time dojo and the environment that you were going to be thrown into yeah you know and thrown into like a, a you know a big role in the environment where you're in charge of teaching the people in the environment which was yeah. very I, I remember at the beginning just walking walking from where I live to the dojo and just as I was crossing the road like for those of you who have been to the dojo you know that the lane that you have to go in it's basically a dark get, alley the dark alley you have to go you know <laughs> just to test just to test your, your, yeah, yeah, your yeah. fortitude before you come in but just when I was walking there I was just oh my god do it sometimes I was just going this is great yeah this is so cool this is what I love most you know and and this is like and you can sort of like I feel like that and I've done karate for years like since I was seven years old and I know the the value of like the the value of being taught at this level Mm. you know consistently day to day um and I wonder if people feel the same way you know those senior grades feel the same way like they walk in like this is some really special that you're being a part of you know it's some very unique yeah not a lot of people will get this from mother like you go to a gym it's just a bunch of bodies in there the chance of you creating you know a relationship or or you know a, a niche of friends in a gym is very no no because everyone's in there doing do. their own thing probably yeah. with headphones on and stuff yeah that's something yeah very that cool. feeling of you know this is so cool i used to get that when i was uh when i was still just a student here yeah i used to get that a lot arriving out of the dojo and thinking i love this place <laughs> and now now that i work here uh that feeling has been amplified yeah because i come i come here and i think i belong here yeah. in this cool place it's pretty it's pretty deadly yeah i have to say so suck it guys for not coming for not living in dublin and, and being able to train here all the time hope you're all feeling but pretty if, you, if you're ever in town please feel free to drop it yeah. we welcome we're very welcoming as you can see yeah and speaking of foreign visitors do we know who's coming over for kangeko next week the only name that I know for definite is Andrea Carvin Sensei. Oh, I see. She's going to be uh, over. So, so I think she's arriving. She's arriving this weekend, actually. She's arriving on Sunday. Maybe not that many foreign visitors for Kangeko this week. I think there's some Swedish coming over. Oh, good. And someone from Liverpool, I believe. Don't know who, though. Okay. But people are coming over. Excellent. But yeah, back to why people start. I mean, why do you think there's such a massive influx of females joining the dojo off the top of my head uh martial arts are kind of getting a a new uh surge in popularity these days perhaps perhaps thanks to the the likes of conor mcgregor and other big combat sports stars 
And uh, obviously Conor McGregor has not, you know, tried karate. He's not a karate guy. But not every, maybe not the the, pe- the kind of people we have in here aren't the kind of people that want to go get beaten black and blue in an MMA gym. Possibly. They want something a little bit more uh, esoteric, uh, gentle, and uh, some sustainable. Something that you that that isn't going to burn you out after a few years. I have my my own theory of why maybe people think that martial arts is a or why women are now thinking martial arts is a good form of getting in shape tell me and stuff now and that is thanks to mma I that's th- what i just said i think no i agree with you but this is why <laughs> this is why for a different reason okay not because of conor mcgregor and those in the likes i think okay. that mma is one of the only sports that values female fighters equally to male fighters it's the only sport i can recall where a female headline fight will headline a card the women's title fight will be the main event of the evening on a grand stage on pay-per-view yeah it is the only one where they're given the same merit their title is worth the same as male titles it does they don't get the same accolades in athletics mm-hmm. um, they don't get the same accolades in football mm. basketball they don't get it in tennis you know as good as Serena Williams is I don't think that she gets the same I don't think any of the female tennis players get the same accolades that they probably should yeah. in terms of they, like, they're not given the same platform, the same, not, not, I don't want to say respect because people definitely respect female athletes, but I think it's, it's a little bit different with MMA. I think that they are, it's when men will be the undercard and in some cases male title fights will be the undercard to female uh, title fights because the heavier weight class always tends to be the main event yeah um so if you've got like a light a lighter weight class male title fight it will be on the undercard to the heavier yeah, female yeah, title yeah, fight yeah. and i think that that's something that's quite unique just now and i think that that gives people if anyone you know is looking into martial arts they will then see very like you know the likes of ronda rousey yeah and misha tate and these famous female mma athletes taking part and i think also gyms are boring gyms are boring gyms are boring Gym people are like robots, man. They all look the same. They all dress the same. You all have to wear the same outfit. Well, we all wear the same outfit. Yeah, but ours is special. <laughs> ours is special, you know? Yeah, ours is special. And yeah, and you have to earn the thing that goes around your waist, you know? You have yeah, to earn that's that, kind of that cool, color. yeah. The belt you know? system I think, is cool. Uh, but the, they all look the same. They're all doing the same workouts. They're all using the same machine. I think it's overcrowded. It's overpopulated. And I think that people are like, you know what? I'm going to do something. I'm going to learn something while I get fit. Yeah, and they think and join a community, and that's it. And then they come and they find out, oh, this is actually a really lovely place. Mm-hmm. And in this dojo, we have a lot of really lovely, friendly women who are look after each other very, very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as a newbie comes in, they're swarmed by friend, friendly faces and encouraged to come back and stuff, which I think is lovely. But I think that this is happening all over the place. I mean, I know that in England, I know um, Dan, since he's in London, I believe he was putting up on the HDKI HDKI. Page, you asked the question, is anyone else experiencing a massive influx of female practitioners? Oh, did he ask that, that? So I think it's go- across the board, it's not just here, I think it's, wow. it's everywhere. Everywhere it's happening. Could it have something to do with uh, heightened awareness of violence against women? I think Vis-a-vis that, the Me Too movement? I think possibly, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Another theory there, women are more interested in learning how to protect themselves because people are talking about violence against women now. That's, yeah. A lot more than they used to. That could be a very plausible reason as well is what we're doing really real world applicable or not some people can't say for sure that it is 
I think like there's I see it all the time on Facebook like oh does will your karate work in the streets? That's mm-hmm. a frequent question, and the answer is do you really want to find out? No, <laughs> you don't. And if you do, you're a prick. <laughs> like it's as simple as that. If you're what like oh I know my like if like I see people who are on the comments of questions like that who. You put it up on social media, they're like, do I, what do you cry? Well, oh, I remember one time, and ten guys were around me, and I've done them all in, and my cry works because I'm hard. Like, no. Chances are, you probably could do that without training. That's the kind of person you are, you know? Um, I think that the karate, if you want to learn, like, I think if you're joining karate for self-defense, it is a long road to be skilled enough to the point where your karate will benefit you in a self-defense situation. Yeah. I think that it, like, when you hit showdown level, like, now, like, after training for so long, when you hit showdown level, you are ready to learn karate. Yeah, that's why they call it showdown, first level. That's it. I mean, you, you, up to that point, you have just been learning how to move correctly. Like, this is how you move your right hand, your Mm -hmm. left hand, right foot, left foot, Mm -hmm. whilst keeping your back straight. Keep that center line, people. Um, (laughs) Please, (laughs) please. But, um, I think that up, up until showdown, like if you think that you've got a black belt in karate and therefore you're somehow ready to take on the world out in the street, I think that you're kidding yourself on, really. Um, black belt means nothing. It's a great point. It's literally the first step. Like yeah. Literally, you are now ready to begin your journey sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Like the Q grade is packing the bags. When you get your black belt, they're packed and now you're ready to set off. You know, yeah. Um, that sounds like something Rick Hutton would say, man. Oh, I'm channeling it. I'm channeling it. <laughs> on your little path, on your way, <laughs> your little cat with a stick and so a hat. I think, like, if you're looking for, like, if you genuinely want, uh okay, I want to learn to defend myself straight away, like as fast as I can. You're better off doing one of those percussive sort of. Like contact sports. Contact sport. Like you mm-hmm. want to do Mai Tai, you want to do um go to an MMA class, go to a jiu jitsu class. Like well jiu jitsu is a little bit different, but like I would say mm-hmm. go to boxing, Thai boxing, you know, something where, where you've you're just learning how to punch things hard mm-hmm. and you get fast and fit really mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens, you get fast and fit really quickly. But unless like I think with those kind of martial arts, like, you know, those full contact ones, like unless you are going to be a professional it is very difficult to progress past the point of being fit, fast and strong. Oh, yeah? I think that once you're fit, fast and strong, you plateau very quickly in your progression there. Really? Unless you're jumping into like a professional thing where you're dedicating so much time to it. Whereas yeah. the more traditional martial arts, because they're, that's it, they're martial arts, like there's an art form to it, you learn through the, the system of the art form and it's more, it's a much slower progression, but the progression lasts a lifetime regardless of what level you're doing it at you're progressing a small amount all the time that reminds me of something scott said last week over breakfast after training um because i think i had i'd raised uh, i didn't quite raise this question but the topic uh the 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 conversation turned to this kind of thing you know the practicality of karate the problem of practical karate etc um and he said karate as a martial art people often try to justify it martially but why don't people turn to justifying it artistically 
is it a great way to you know it, like is it a great way to learn how to hit stuff hard and defend yourself maybe not compared to other things you know where you can learn faster how to hit stuff hard and pretend you protect yourself but is it a great is it a beautiful thing to dedicate your life to yes yes that's, that's what he said i mean that that's i mean that, that i mean like if you look at the the mixture of kids that we have in this dojo, I mean, you throw some of them into a tie boss class, balls class, like I like I don't think that a lot of them would enjoy it or come back. I think that Simon Sensei always says it best. Karate's for everyone all of, for for all of your life. Exactly. You know? For mm-hmm. everyone for all of your life. And I think that that's something that is unique to the traditional martial arts. I think the one except that would be the one outlier I want to be is jujitsu. And grappling arts, because I think that the benefit of jiu-jitsu, whether it be Japanese jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, even Krav Maga and stuff like that, like these are very effective. And these, like jiu-jitsu, has nuance in the techniques. Yeah. It has a, a a very like that is a very long progress. Like you have dan grades in jiu-jitsu who you can clearly see the difference between a six dan and a brown belt or a first dan. Or yeah. you know they they definitely have. They're very good at keeping, like, not only very good at at, at, keep, uh, at showing that difference in level, but also making sure that you earn that level. Yeah. And yeah. the one benefit I think that that has over something like karate is that that you get that feedback straight away. Mm-hmm. You know whether your art is working mm-hmm. because you cannot practice jujitsu without a partner. It mm. is something where you need two people to really, you know, put in the positions. Like, you can practice the movements and the flow of your body when you're on the ground and stuff like that. Um, but the techniques are designed to be used on someone, like, specifically in that close quarter combat. You need someone to be putting, to to have to put practice those, you know, whether it be chokes, arm locks, leg locks, you know, whatever it is you're doing. And you know straight away because you have that tap-out system where it's like they tap, they click, they let you know this is working. Whereas mm-hmm. sometimes with karate... You can feel yourself mm-hmm. doing kihon up and down the dojo, and you're never actually testing your punch. I can remember, um, you know, like we've had a lot of people coming in who are who are big and strong. We've got a makiwara in the dojo there, and they try and have a whack at the makiwara, and it turns out they don't know how to hit something solid. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then you get you know Big Ben who comes in who. You know, is it the most coordinated fellow? I don't think he'd mind me saying, but he will smack that Makiwara and, he's and super break strong. it, man. Yeah. Ben is like, <laughs> like, you know, he's he's Mr. Incredible. That's <laughs> it, man. He genuinely looks like Mr. Incredible. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, but that's the beautiful thing about martial art. Like, its biggest strength is the amount of kihon we do because we challenge ourselves to create power in very difficult ways. Long Zenkutsudach, yeah. it's difficult to move quickly from a Long Zenkutsudach. It's difficult to make an Oizuki powerful because... Physically, it's challenging you to keep those like body connections. Like your wrist immediately wants to buckle if you hit something. Your elbow wants to buckle. Your shoulder wants to give out. Your your center line wants to break. Your stance is too long mm-hmm. to you know to to keep balance. It's difficult. Um, we train keyhorn up and down that way all the time. But then the biggest weakness is the keyhorn because we do so much keyhorn we forget how to punch naturally, which ultimately is what the keyhorn's for. We punch those very difficult ways. So that when we stand up in a normal sort of boxing kind of stance and throw a punch, it's really easy in yeah. comparison, you know? Yeah. Uh, and your connection never breaks. You're, you know, we're used to, we can hit things much harder, you know, with the bare knuckles and things like that because our wrists don't buckle because we're used to these very difficult positions and hitting things with long straight arms rather than these sort of hooks and stuff. I think that it, 
our biggest weakness is also our biggest strength, and our biggest strength is our biggest weakness. That's a that's a pretty good justification for the way way we train. Yeah. It just takes a much longer time, yeah. and I think people don't quite see uh, they don't see the woods for the trees, I guess. And I think those people who who are, like who I mean, you know, you ask it to yourself sometimes, like with the, like what is what I'm doing working? Is it making me faster? Is it making me stronger? Is it because it sometimes the purest way of moving, the correct form, the the thing that we're trying to perfect, is going to be a hindrance to actually applying a kick or a punch any sort of strike effectively mm. so you you do have those you do doubt yourself a little bit like this seems like more effort than it needs to be you know especially when you have these te- like you know you watch uh, any sort of combat sport on TV and you see how effortlessly these guys are moving like look at that like you like uh, karate combat for example oh if, that thing if you watch some of the knockouts in karate combat they have abandoned all technique in order yeah. to knock the person out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the per- like, most people probably watch that and go, oh, that doesn't look like karate, but it is karate. Yeah. But the best form of, like, the be- like the hardest punch you can have is, like, that right hook sort of yeah, thing, you know, yeah, and then, yeah. like, turning your body and, and lifting your body off the floor and your heels off the ground and you're rotating and, and your arms bent and you're, you know, and all the stuff that you would say, you know, shouldn't be... It's bad Correct. form. It's bad in form. Terms of karate, is yeah. the way that your body wants to move and will move and delivers the most power. I try and hit the Makiwara with a Yakuzuki, barely budges. I throw a right hook, it'll ping right over to the wall. And yeah. we never practice hooks whatsoever. But all those long Yakuzukis, all of those Oizukis and stuff, it's just a way of training my body so that when I throw that nice, easy right hook, that effortless right hook, it makes all the difference, you know? So what about this karate combat thing? Is that is that going to do anything for karate? Um, why you know, why are they calling it karate combat? I First of all, because what they're doing doesn't look much like karate. But the people doing it are all black belts. They're karate competitors, but they're not. They're fighting in this in this with this new set of rules, this full contact style. I think it's just. Um, I think it's like it's. Trying to capitalize, I think it's a, a it's part of the karate world trying to capitalize on the fact that MMA is incredibly popular just now. Glory kickboxing is incredibly popular just now. Um, full contact and people, the like full contact combat sports is always going to be the the pinnacle of of I think martial arts in terms of making money. Mm-hmm. Like you will never make more money than if you're in a prize fight, regardless yeah. of like you you know you look at Floyd Mayweather. And Conor McGregor, how much money they make in their respective fields, and then when they cross over, it makes even more money. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and I think that this is people just wanting to try and capture a little bit of that. Um, I've watched a few. Do I like watching it? No, because the rules are like again, they they limit the what the amount of techniques they're allowed to use, so they're not using let's say the purest form of karate which would involve eye gouges and all kinds of nasty not, stuff not even like eye gouges <laughs> but for example like their their hooks have to be very long range they're not like to throw uppercuts oh yeah so to speak they they have to throw long range hooks um, certain strikes like you know it's a kind of like you're watching that and it's like well if I'm watching these karate like the thing the biggest sell that they've got is that it's well known karate competitors from yeah. the likes of WKF Karate um, competing full contact and they're great athletes but if I want to watch a full contact sport, I'm going to watch MMA because it has so much more in it. And yeah. and p- 
people who have dedicated their lives to full contact, like fighting for that set purpose, where these guys are kind of jumping into it without, I think without dedicating it, because it's not been around long enough to dedicate their time to it, mm -hmm. specifically that. I think mm -hmm. you're finding guys who, it just looks sloppy. I remember watching like Agiev doing it. Agiev, who's one of the greatest point fighters in the world or across the board, not just in karate. I think he'd, in a point fight scenario, at, at his best, he'd beat anyone. Yeah. Um, and he is he's an unbelievable athlete. But I watched him fight in one of the first ones and it just looked terrible. You were watching these guys and you're going, they're very fast and they're, yeah, they're definitely trying to hit as hard as they can. They definitely can hit hard. I think that notion of WKF karate fighter like those traditional guys who go oh yeah but they can't hit hard no the rules dictate they can't hit hard they still are amazing athletes who can generate a lot of power mm. but you're looking at it and it's like uh, compared to the top level you know kickboxers or Thai boxers who are competing in the likes of glory they just look shocking <laughs> like yeah. it's, and it's not uh, and I'm not trying to knock them for their skill in karate because it's not they're great karate fighters like they are but it's just the way they've got the rules set, I just don't think it's that appealing. I don't think it will be appealing. I think it'll be gone in a few years. I don't think it will last that long. They're ramping up right now. They're 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 having these auditions. Um, they're calling them auditions as well, which is a bit yeah, strange. I mean, I mean, you may fighters. like what, what the best thing that can happen to it is if it if it just like a, a, keeps the name Karate Combat and then allows for the the rest of the sort of striking variety that we can have, like the rest of the strike, the amount of strikes we can do, like what, like for example. If you're going to do full contact, like, yeah, make them wear, you know, those sort of, like, I don't know, a glove that allows them to use, like, why not let them throw, like, a haito, you know, or shuto or something, like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. more dangerous, of course, and you want to try and limit the, the amount of danger athletes are being put in, but at the same time, if you're going to call it karate combat, then let it be all of karate, you know, with the exception of maybe eye gouges, groin strikes, and headbutts, you know? Sure. But then, in which case, it just becomes an MMA fight without the, the grappling. So I think we're calling Karate Combat a fail. <laughs> a fail. fail. I, I, I think it will turn out to be a fail. Like I, I, I still hope that, like again, people, all the best of the people that compete in it and stuff like that. I think that if you want to compete in a full contact sport, go into one where you know you can, you're going to get more recognition. Like Glory, for example, Glory Kickboxing has some of the best strikers in the world mm -hmm. there, and some of them are karate guys as well. Oh, yeah. um, K1 it used to be K1 it's now Glory Kick but it used to have a Shemi Schilt who's a traditional karate guy who won the title I think, or won the Grand Prix I think twice I think but way back in the day you've got some fantastic Kyokushin guys that are mm. competing in there like Kyokushin backgrounds you've got guys who you know from much broader aspects of martial arts all competing in there if you're a karate guy and you think full contact is your thing I would suggest going trying to get into something like Glory or something like that where you're competing against the best and you'll be recognised as one of the best yeah. rather than a watered-down version of it, you know? Yeah. Someone told me recently that actually kickboxing derived itself from Kyokushin Karate, whereas I thought it derived itself from Muay Thai. I mean, they all... They it's all, all the same at the end of the day, They all come from yoga, it? you know, really. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, how sure. far back it goes as yoga, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it all derives from... You can say it all derives from... Like, Taekwondo comes from Shotokan... Yeah. Karate. Um, karate comes from kung fu. Kung fu comes from whatever else they were doing. To it, and then the, that exercise program they had. Yoga, and it just keeps going back and back and back. And I mean, it's all it's all good. Every every nation has its own form of fighting, one way or another. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We get to all about it, but yeah, 
Crack combat, not for me. Not my not my favourite. Not my favourite thing to watch. I've tried. I, I love my combat sports, but I just can't get into it. Can't yeah. get into it. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of fails, fails, it's about time for us to talk about the fails, fails, of, fails the week. of the week. Uh, I forgot mine. Did I have one? Yeah, I remember your one. I'm going to tell oh, you yeah, Rose no, one. I remember now. I remember. Will I go first? So? Oh, go on there, go on. Okay, was it Wednesday? It was Wednesday morning. Oh, morning training with... Ross was there. Scott was there, obviously. John uh, was there. John was AJ there. AJ was there. AJ was there. The whole dang crew was there. <laughs> Everyone except Tommy and Karen. Oh. For not being there. <laughs> so... Um, Oh yeah, and we were practicing the knee down syllabus. It was my idea. I said, "Let's do the knee down syllabus," and then we did. No, Tommy was there. Was he there? Yeah, Tommy. No, was he was there. there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because we went through the knee down syllabus, and then Tommy said, "What kind of kumite do you do for knee down?" And I said, "It's, you know, it's freestyle sparring." And he said, "Right, let's have a look." Uh, you said, "Yeah, let's have a look at your shadow." But I, I got Ruth's shadow box. I said, "Ruth's shadow box shows your footwork and that was your it. Yeah, you wanted stuff, to have yeah. a look at my footwork, and I was started to spar an invisible opponent, and I was having all kinds of advice and critiques thrown at me, and everybody was no, not like that, do it like this, and then they they gave me a little bit of footwork to practice. Say it's, it's a little switch and change angle, and then counter Gyakuzuki, and I tried it, and I got it wrong, and in the instant I got it wrong. Scott Sensei from across the room goes, Not like that! And by the time he had shouted, I was in the middle of an Ushiro Gary and uh, I got the fright of my life. <laughs> and I slipped and landed on my arse quite hard in front of everybody. Was, you had to be there. It was hilarious. Like, you know. <laughs> Well, we were Rue's Rue, 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 Rue's not, not bad at, at Kumite, but his footwork and his movement is is Leaves unique. something to be desired. <laughs> unique, shall we say. So watching him, you know, like, you know, baby deer <laughs> right about the dojo by himself. But we're all shouting abuse at him. And then, <laughs> then as he's like, oh, he's just starting to get it. Oh, no, failed. Not like, and then smack, like. Face first on the dojo. It was really funny. Um, it was as if Scott had like projected his chi and sent me flying. It was, it was, it was a big fail. It was a big fail. Big fail. Your big turn. Fail. Um, my fail of the week was for those of you been to Dublin, you know about the the Lewis the Lewis track. And if you if you're feeling brave, you don't have change on you, or you don't have money in your leap card, or whatever, you can sometimes get away with jumping on it without. Paying and and get away with it and we've all done it. I've done it. I've, I've, like I know, like I know, hundreds of people have done it. You shouldn't do it. Don't do it. Pay. But <laughs> this is like, like I couldn't be bothered filling up the league cover. I thought, ah, go on, I'll risk it. And uh, I jumped on the loose, and I got to the end. And sure enough, for the first time ever, midday there were ticket inspectors and leap card inspectors at the other end, and I jumped off and. I and I, I had to go into my not this nice mellow accent that you hear before you today. It was my proper accent that I hide from everyone over here. Oh my my, God. my tourist accent, and I was like, "Oh mate, I'm I'm sorry, pal. I didn't know that. I, I didn't have to have a ticket for this one, oh, <laughs> mate. I didn't know I'm a tourist, man. I'm only here for the day. Do you mind if I? Oh, I'll pay for I'll pay for it now if you want." And they were like, and they let me off. Uh, to be fair, but I was uh, putting on my Ouija. <laughs> My my best sort of scumbag Scotland accent to put them off talking to me for any longer than they had to, <laughs> and making it very difficult 
for them to understand my excuse. That's not exactly a fail, but Ross. You got fa- away with it. But it was more that leading up to the fart part when we were the the tram slowly pulls in. And you see all the luminous... The, the orange jackets. The orange jackets. You were like, ah, oh no, what am I going to do? Oh no. Because if you get caught, it's how much a fight. It's 100 euro. It's 100 euro fight. 100 euro for like a, something that you could walk in like 40 minutes, like, you know? Yeah. So I was, so I was, I was shit, I was shitting myself. Like, I managed to get away, but I got away with it. But yeah, that was a fail. Fail. That was a big fail. Um, do we have a general fail of the week this a week? A general fail of the week. Let me think. Um, I think we forgot to think of one. That... Fucking dehumidifier there. Yeah. We got to do, we're going to paint the dojo this Saturday. We have a, a paint party where we're going to you know, have pizza and beer and paintbrushes and everyone's going to paint the inside of the dojo because it's an old building that needs a wee lick of paint. Aye. So we got this big industrial strength dehumidifier because this place gets sweats, a li- gets it sweats a with us, man. It tr- the dojo trains just as hard as we do. Yeah. Um, and it sweats. And we brought this big dehumidifier in and for the first, you know... It's quite, it's getting on a wee bit, like, you know, it's half nine just now. But for like an hour, I was like, the thing was just, it wasn't sucking in any air, it was just leaking water, it was making it wetter. <laughs> you know, it's meant to dehumidify a plate, it was just spilling it's water pretty everywhere. <laughs> and it took us ages to fucking fix it, but we managed to get it fixed, it's working now. Oh, it's unplugged just no, now. It's unplugged like, it, I, actually, yeah, I can't yeah. hear it, is it working? No. <laughs> uh, it's unplugged just now, but yeah, it was leaking everywhere, and I was like, ugh, this is a nightmare. And it's huge, the thing's massive, like a pain in the ass to move. And I was like, I'm going to have to, you know, carry it through to the showers and stuff and let it leak into the shower. But uh, no, we managed to get it fixed, but that was a fail. Whoever brought that in and had it set on error. Dodgy dehumidifier. Yeah, man. dodgy dehumidifier. That was fucking fail <laughs> that, was a, that was a pissy fail that was, that was like fuck fail fucking fail <laughs> don't like it um, but yeah any, any other no, <laughs> no that's, that's it, it I think yeah um, so guys like I said hopefully you'll have the first one up just now um, we'll be and hopefully we'll have put you know question like a, a little you know ask us questions yeah, send us in yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. Um, but if you listen to this one again when the time comes, please feel free to ask us questions. We'll answer. We'll do our best to answer them in a in a semi-professional way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what kind uh, of questions people would want to ask us, uh, but maybe they want anything. to hear us discuss something, or they want us to do a bit of research yeah, on something. To, yeah, if you want us to research something and and ask our opinion on anything, um, if there's people that you want to have on the podcast, yeah. if you if uh, you know if you want to hear somebody's opinion, we can try and get. I mean, we can try and get them. Which if we build a, a big enough base, we can maybe phone. Who knows. Yeah, we who, could do all knows? kinds of stuff. A, a, anyone, it could be anyone. You know, Let, let's phone up a uh, Jesse Encamp. Jesse Encamp, get him on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Jesse Encamp. We can. You, you could talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> His voice. <laughs> His voice drives me a wee bit crazy, but but I like his stuff. It's cool. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jesse could have like hell. Let's let's go. Let's ask our Japanese. Karateka. Oh yeah. Yeah. We can get Naka on the nah, phone. Let's get Naka on the phone and, That'd be and, cool. and ask him about. How We'd to have bow. to get subtitles in the podcast somehow. Ask him how to bow properly or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. Oh, All right, okay. guys. Deep bows, big horses. Oh, oh, Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> <laughs>